Hey guys, welcome to the Bill Barnwell Show. I'm Bill Barnwell of ESPN. Today I am joined by Stephen Ruiz of The Ringer for, I think, a really fun topic as we almost hit the season here. We are going team by team throughout the entire NFL and thinking about the craziest thing that could happen that still has a 10% chance of happening in the 2021 season. So outliers, crazy predictions, hot takes, all that stuff is going to happen here on the show. But first, before we get into today's episode, I want to quickly tell you that the ESPN College Football Podcast is now five days a week. Host Kirk Herbstreet, David Pollack, and Kevin Nagandi are back and joined this year by Reese Davis, Matt Barry, Paul Feinbaum, Booger McFarland, and Joey Galloway. From weekend reactions to Monday mornings to previews, the ESPN College Football Podcast has it covered by the voices and perspectives you'll want to hear from. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. And also, if there's a game you know somebody's betting on it, stream season two of Better Days, the Mike Greenberg-hosted series that brings the true stories of unforgettable gambling adventures to life. All episodes are now streaming only on ESPN+. Here's Stephen joining me to talk about all things NFL and all things unlikely in the 2021 season. All right, joining me now here as promised on the Bill Barnwell Show, formerly of USA Today, now currently as of several weeks, a couple of weeks. Like, uh, it's, it's been a week. A full week. week. Yeah. Officially celebrating his one week anniversary for the ringer. It is the excellent Stephen Ruiz. Stephen, how are you? I'm doing good. I was I was wondering if I would get an invite back because I did the podcast and it, like anyone can get invited on a podcast, but getting that second invitation, that's when you know that you've made it. I don't I don't think there's a lot of one-time guests on the show. Yeah. Are there I, any? Well, you don't have to name names. <laughs> there's there's probably a few just because like we used to do more non-football stuff and now we only do football, but I feel like if 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 you're nice enough to come do it, I'm so happy that I asked people to come back on again. Did did uh, Nate Scott, my friend Nate Scott, did he get a second podcast? I know he was on it at least once. He was on it. I think he did too. I think oh, he did okay. too. They okay. but they were not they were not American football related. And Nate, uh, I don't believe has a ton of American football analysis to offer, but you, on the other hand, do. I I, lo- I like to think I do. Well, we're going to find out today. We're going to find out today because I had a creative, non-traditional topic idea. And as someone who was a creative force, uh, formerly at the USA Today and now at The Ringer, I wanted to have you on to join me in this celebration of unlikely things happening in the 2021 season. So my idea for today was essentially for us to talk about Basically something crazy that could happen for each team, but something that's not that crazy. Something that has at least, or I guess something that has exactly, I suppose, a 10% chance of happening in the 2021 season for each of the league's 32 teams. So something that is a little outlandish, not likely to happen, but not totally implausible. And so I went and did the NFC teams. Stephen, you went out and did the A, at least I'm hoping, you went and did the <laughs> AFC teams. Um, so we're good. We have 32 teams. We're going to go through each of them, one for each team. And since you are the guest, Stephen, we can start with you, uh, whatever division, whatever AFC team you want to start with. Um, we'll go back and forth. Let's hear your first 10% likelihood outcome. 
see, I, I had some other ideas, but they were like 11%. So I had to leave the cutting room floor. That's <laughs> but, smart. Uh, That's smart. I'll, I'm going to start off with an on-brand uh, one. I'm going to start with the Bills. Let's okay. start in the, the East. And I'm going to say Josh Allen is 2019 Josh Allen. Oh, no. And I don't think he's going to regress to that level, but I think no. there might be some regression, at least statistically. But my the reason why I'm saying this is I wonder – what does the Bills team look like if it's not if that offense isn't this fire breathing dragon that it was mm-hmm. at the beginning of last year and then at the end of last year? There was kind of, and I don't think people have talked about it, but there was kind of like a downward trend in the middle of the year, but mm-hmm. Allen rebounded. But if there is some regression from Allen, I'm wondering what is the ceiling of this Bills team and what is the floor? I mean, I imagine it's a lot like the 2019 Bills on the whole, right? I mean, I guess you could say you'd have to hope for an improvement from the defense because right. the defense was second in points allowed per game in 2019 and then 16th last year. Um, I think they were a little better by DVOA if I'm not mistaken, but I mean, yeah, I, I think, you know, we have seemingly weekly conversations on the internet about whether Lamar Jackson is going to suddenly forget how to play football. And I don't think that is going to happen, but Josh Allen has been this good, once in his career, like, like, you know, going back to college, this is his first season as a significantly above average passer. So I, I think it's a f- fair to at least entertain the possibility that he isn't that same caliber of quarterback next year. And by me saying, and I know Bill's fans that are listening are going to, you know, roll their eyes when they hear me saying that and put that, sure. put that out into the world. But by me saying that there's only a 10% chance that it regresses to 2019 Josh Allen, that means there's a 90% chance that I think he's going to be good again. Like, this is an optimistic thing for me. I'm I'm pro-Bills with this. But I I also think you have to ask about that supporting cast around him. I think it's better than it was in 2019. So I think even if Allen is 2019 Josh Allen, that offense could still, in theory, be a lot better. I think the offensive line is better. Mm -hmm. And obviously they have Stephon Diggs, who I think is a top five receiver, top 10. I don't think that's a controversial statement. So I don't know. I think even if Josh Allen isn't what he was last year, and let's say he he regresses in the same way that Lamar Jackson did from 2019 to 2020, Mm -hmm. I still think this is a team that can win 11 games, 12 games, and mm-hmm. if, assuming the defense bounces back. And I do assume that the defense is going to be better than it was last year because I have faith in Sean McDermott, and mm-hmm. I know they invested in that pass rush during the draft. So I, I don't think Josh Allen needs to be 2020 Josh Allen to for this team to compete not only in the AFC East but in the AFC. I agree. I, I think absolutely. Um, it, they wouldn't be the class of the AFC East, but I do think they would be um, a competitive team and, and have the possibility of winning games. And even if Josh Allen did take that sort of step backwards, like there were still games in 2019 where Josh Allen was great. Like it's not out of the question that he could get hot again, just maybe not for quite as long as it was during, you know, most of the 2020 season. So where are you at on Josh Allen? Like if, if you had to rank him, and I don't need like a specific ranking, but just like a general area, where would you rank him going into the season? I don't know, five or six. Yeah, I think that's what you have to go with. Like, bottom half of the top 10, I think is reasonable. And I, I would hear the argument for top five, because I know Bills fans are making it. I know there are other people that are making it. And I, if he's 2020 Josh Allen for the next 10 years, then yes, I think he's a top five quarterback. But I, like you said, uh, why, why aren't we talking about the possibility that he takes a step back? 
And I don't know if like individually he would even have to take a step back if mm-hmm. things around him get worse. Cause that offensive line, like at Josh Allen's peak last year, that offensive line was giving him a lot of mm-hmm. protection. And I think the one issue with Josh Allen even still is that he needs an extra beat or two to, to find an open receiver. I don't think he's as quick with it as like, say Dak Prescott, who's mm-hmm. another youngish quarterback. So I do think if the offensive line regresses, then maybe things look more difficult for him. And maybe you see more of his weaknesses next year or this year. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, you know, an offense that is certainly heavily invested in Stefan Diggs, um, Cole Beasley appears to be on his way to becoming a uh, anti-vaccine influencer. I mean, you know, like, like it, it, there's nothing much a tight end. Um, Emmanuel Sanders is in his mid thirties, Gabriel Davis, um, you know, I think has some promise, but it's not out of the question that that would be a very subpar receiving core if Stefan Diggs were not available, which I mean, he was available for the entire season last year. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you can rule it out by any means that he takes a, a significant step backwards. I think the most likely outcome is a tiny step backwards, which is why I have him in five to six, why it's only a 10% chance, like you were saying, as opposed to a much bigger chance. Um, let me start. I'll start in the, in the East as well. I'm a Dallas Cowboys. I said a 10% chance the Cowboys are top two in the NFL in points scored. I, I was afraid to say number one. I feel like the Chiefs were just such a juggernaut that I can't can't without you. They were sixth last year in points per game. So I, I you can't necessarily say the Chiefs are guaranteed to be number one, but I, I thought the Cowboys um obviously scored a ton last year while Dak was in the lineup. Of course, that was before um that was with a defense that was uh, horrific. I'm hoping the defense, I expect the defense to be not quite as bad as it was during the first four weeks of the year. Um, that's with a crazy fumble rate. They were playing a crazy pace in the first quarter, but certainly uh, I would figure with a healthier Dak Prescott playing most of the games, and we can't project them to play every single game, that the Cowboys could potentially be a very, very exciting offense in 2021. Now, when someone like you who a statistically inclined person says points scored instead of the second most efficient offense. My ears got to perk up. And I'm wondering is when you say that, do you think that they're going to be a top offense or do you think they're just going to be in games where they have to score a bunch of points? I think both. I think it's not out of the question that both things are true. Um, I think it's easier for me to project that because their defense is not all that great, they're going to play at a fast pace and they're going to be playing um, in games that have a lot of possessions. I feel more confident about that. Um, you know, I, I think they are a team that I would expect to be in the top five in DVOA on offense. So if you're having a top five team by DVOA and then you do play a fast pace, um, I think you have a decent shot of finishing pretty high, of course, in points per game. So I maybe I'd say it's more than 10% now that I'm thinking about it, but I would say 10% top two. Yeah, and, that, and now I'm wondering, like, if they do, if that 10% chance happens, what is the ceiling for the Cowboys team? If they are an elite offense, and I'm like you, I'm assuming the defense is not going to be as bad as it was last year, and I think it was a lot better during the second half anyway, but it has to be better. I, I'm willing to say that the Cowboys can win a playoff game or two if their offense is as good as it, ha- it has the potential to be. Playoff? No, that can't win on the playoffs. I've heard that's not the case. <laughs> um, yeah, I absolutely buy that. I mean, I think that, you know, they have that sort of ability and 
I think it's fair to say that the NFC is not projected to be a particularly tough division, all things being said. So yeah, I mean, I think that that makes total sense. Um, can you give me another AFC option? Yeah, I'm, I'll stay in the AFC East. Actually, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bounce around. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Oh, wow. Okay. And my thing is Tyreek Hill or Kelsey go down for a significant amount of time. Mm. And what I'm really asking, what I really want to ask is which one of those two would be more devastating? That's a tough question. I Can I give the cop-out Bill Belichick answer? I mean, yes. Bill Belichick always says to take the tight end out first. So I would say Kelsey. And, and I think the more I think about it, I would say Kelsey because Tyreek Hill is just a speed merchant. All he does is just go deep. No, I mean, that's not true. And, and I, I think it's so tempting for people to say, oh, well, they'll just put in McCall Hardman to replace Tyreek Hill, not realizing that those are not the same player. <laughs> they don't they don't have the same skills. They are both fast. That is true. They are both fast. But you can't just plug in McCall Hardman and get Tyreek Hill results. It just does not work that way. But, I mean, Travis Kelsey had maybe the greatest season in the history of the NFL for tight ends last year. Uh, like, uh, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility to say that or unreasonable to say that. Um, even if you expect him to take a step backwards this year, which I think is not out of the question, he would still be one of the two or three best players in his position in football. I think Tyreek Hill has that ability, but, um, you know, I think that Travis Kelsey is just such a unique player in terms of his ability to win at the line of scrimmage, his ability to win split out, his ability to win in line. And I think that as good as Tyreek Hill is, and he's awesome, um, I think it'd be, it'd be easier to scheme up more stuff for the Chiefs wide receivers without Tyreek Hill than it would be to scheme up an offense without Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I think I agree with you. And I am in the camp that Tyreek Hill, I think he's the best receiver in the NFL. And wow. not necessarily like skill-wise, I just mm-hmm. think what the pressure he puts on a defense changes things. But I still agree with you. And I like the point you brought up about Hardman because there are people who I think argue that Tyreek Hill wouldn't be as effective if he was on another team and he didn't have Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. But I I feel like Hardman is the fact that Hardman, when Hill is out and Hardman replaces him and the offense doesn't look the same and they don't do the same things, I think that's proof that Tyreek Hill is not just a speed merchant. Like he's Mm -hmm. a very talented receiver. But I would go with Kelsey because – they like to line up in those three by one formations and put Kelsey on his own mm-hmm. to one side. And that really makes things tough on a defense. And I think that's like the basis for their whole passing game is they have Kelsey on that one side. And like, how are you going to defend him? Mm-hmm. What are you going to, are you going to put a corner over there? Are you going to put a safety over there? Are you going to give that defender that's guarding them help? Mm-hmm. And then you have Tyree kill on the other side, usually at the number three spot, the yep. furthest inside slot receiver and those two got those two things just I it's just impossible to defend. But I think you could still put Hardman there and still have that threat where the defense has to respect his speed downfield. Now I don't think he's gonna make the same plays if the defense doesn't respect it, mm-hmm. but it's still a threat. And if you lose Kelsey, I just don't see I think it becomes easier to defend that offense because mm-hmm. you could just double Tyree kill. You could put a safety over the top, no matter where he is, but you can't do that with Kelsey. And I think that's the big difference. And on mm-hmm. third down, I don't have the stats in front of me, but if I had to guess, I would think that Kelsey is the most targeted receiver on that team on third down. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Um, I have a similar 
question or a similar concept for the Seattle Seahawks, where I think there's a 10% chance somebody besides DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett finish in the top two in receiving yardage for the Seahawks, where last year, Tyler Lockett had 132 targets. DK Metcalf was at 129. Nobody else had more than 50. Who do you think steps up into that void? I would guess Gerald Everett would be my guess. I mean, Russell Wilson has a track record of taking pretty bad tight ends and making them look better than you would have expected. Um, I don't think Gerald Everett is a bad tight end by any means, but a guy who, I mean, was never like the primary number one guy for any extended stretch of time with the Rams. I think a decent athlete and a guy who is being pushed into that role. I certainly don't think any of the running backs are in play. I don't think Dwayne Eskridge is going to be um, the guy unless I guess McAfee or Lockett get hurt. But I think that Everett would be the first guy to pop in there and get maybe like 60 or 70 targets and then uh, finish on the top two. I think that makes sense with the type of offense we expect them to run. I, I really want to know like how different this offense is going to look. Like, mm-hmm. is it going to be a thing where it's sort of a mix between what the Rams have been doing and what the Seahawks have kind of been doing the whole time he's been there. I know they've had different offensive coordinators, but it's kind of looked the same, mm-hmm. especially like the deep passes. And yeah, the more I think about it, the more I think that could happen just because maybe you're focusing more on one receiver rather than two when you're spreading things out like you have multiple options at receiver but if you're condensed maybe the tight end gets more involved Mm -hmm. so i could see that happening i think everett might be like that check down option like these play action teams they do the fake wide zone and they have the tight end cutting across and running into the flat like i feel like that's something we're going to see a lot in seattle and if Mm -hmm. that deep ball isn't there to dk metcalf or Lockett or whoever's running those routes i think he's going to get a lot of targets just off of that alone. Mm-hmm. I agree. Can you give me an AFC option? Yeah, I'll go back to the East and I'll say the Patriots defense is 2019 good again, where really? I believe they were number one in DVOA. And beyond that, just the turnovers, the sacks, the havoc plays. Mm-hmm. And we didn't see that last year. And I don't think we saw that because of the opt-outs, because Dante Hightower wasn't there, and they had linebackers that just couldn't run, like yes. they couldn't move. It was very hard to watch. Like Bill was playing like Tampa 2 a lot, which is <laughs> something that you don't expect to see in, in 2020. So I think they get back to that, that defense that's just blitzing the hell out of quarterbacks every week. Mm-hmm. What we saw in Miami last year, the game that I remember is that Jared Goff game where he just – turned the ball over like five yes. times. And that reminded me of the Sam Darnold game from 2019, the scene mm-hmm. ghost game. And I really hope the Patriots get back to that. And I think with this front seven and how it's looked at preseason, especially, but just on paper, looking at the roster, they're going to be able to do that stuff again. But 2019 is why it's a 10% chance of happening. because 2019 was, that's going to be hard to replicate. I don't know if they could do that, but I think they might have to do that if they're going to compete for, I don't think they're going to get P for a bye, but Mm -hmm. if they're going to get a home playoff game and maybe win that division, I think that defense has to be that good because there's going to be growing pains with Mac. Yeah. I I mean, I I agree that they have to be that good. I don't know that I buy this one, Steven. I, that, that team, that team in 2019, 4.7% interception rate. So that basically means they turned the average quarterback they faced that, that year into Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston was at 4.8% that year. So 
that's tough. I mean, that is hard to pull off. And that was with Stefan Gilmore as a defensive player of the year. And Stefan Gilmore is taking the first six weeks of the year off. That's why it's a 10% chance. That's fair. That's fair. I, I would say lower than 10%. But I if you if you had said top four defense, 10%, I would agree. But I, I don't think I can get them quite into the you think top four is is 10%? I would say top four is, I would put it at 20%. I think this defense is very talented on the front seven in ways that it I can't I can't put into words how bad that front seven was. Like I don't think they've had a front seven that bad since 2017 was the last year. I remember that really being an issue. Their defense yeah. was bad. It that was year. for sure. But the secondary is nowhere near as good now as it was that's, in 2019 and that's my concern yeah i could buy that but i do think the secondary is a little bit deeper and they just have different bodies they just don't have that stefan gilmore guy that you could just lock down or they won't have him for the first part of the season i don't mm-hmm. know how his holding is gonna gonna play itself out but if anyone can figure out how to get the most out of a front seven like that because i do think it's one of the better front sevens in the it is now i think it's bill belichick mm-hmm. i agree I think they're going to be good on defense. Um, I will go in a different direction. I will say the Carolina Panthers have a 10% chance of finishing with a top eight defense by DVOA this upcoming season. So last year, just seven interceptions all season. So interception rate should improve. They were the oldest or the second oldest defense in the NFL in 2017, 2018, and 2019. They were the third youngest defense in the NFL last season. So a lot of young guys who got some reps a year ago on a bad Panthers team, you would expect improvement from guys like Brian Burns, who was already great last year, Derek Brown. They bring in Daquan Jones. They bring in Hassan Reddick. They draft JC Horn in the first round. Am I crazy to say this 10% chance of a top eight defense uh, in their second year under Matt rule? Uh, No, not like at a 10% chance. They were really good on first and second down. If I I looked into this a month ago, so I don't have the exact numbers, but I know that they were like the worst team on third down. Mm-hmm. And that I, I believe that tends to regress the mean. It does. Because the sample sizes are small. But I think the reason why I think they were so bad on third down was they didn't have the guys to play man coverage. And I think in this league, you have to play man cut, co- be able to play man coverage on third down. You can't mm-hmm. rush three and play drop eight country cover three cover two or whatever the quarterbacks are just too good mm-hmm. but i do think phil snow is very good on on early downs the concepts he's brought over from the big 12 from college which i think is the direction just nfl defenses in general are moving it mm-hmm. and i do think there's something there i think he's a coach who is capable of putting together a defense that's better than some of its parts yeah and i they just rushed- want to know mm-hmm. i want to know what this looks like on third down before i'm willing to say that this is going to be a good defense. Yeah. To your point, they rushed three 20% of the time last year, second most in the NFL. And uh, by DVOA, according to the Football Outsiders Almanac, 16th in DVOA on first down on defense, 21st on second down, and 31st on third down, a 29.2% DVOA on third down. So absolutely, um, that was their problem a year ago. Uh, can you give me another AFC team? Yeah, I'm going to... Uh... Where, where am I going to go with? I'm going to go with the Jets. Okay. And my thing is, Mike LaFleur is Kyle Shanahan 2.0. Ooh. He's as good as, he's not as good as Kyle Shanahan because that's, I think that's too high of a bar, but I, he's a poor man's Kyle Shanahan. Like he gets the most out of that offense. Can I ask well, you a question? 
Yes. Is this because you already have the Lafleur microscope image ready? <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't Googled images of uh, Michael Floor yet. You have to get the right image. Like that's why the meme worked because I found that that image of Kyle Shanahan. It just worked. <laughs> I don't know if Lafleur has enough photos for that for me to find that. Not yet. Soon. But the real reason why I went with the offensive side of the Jets is because. The question I was going to ask is kind of similar to my question for the Chargers, and I'd rather ask it for the Chargers. So, see, I think the Jets, if their offense is pretty good mm-hmm. and they make things even easy for Zach Wilson, I think they do have talent at receiver. They do. I like the Corey Davis signing. Maybe Makai Becton takes another step and becomes an elite left tackle, and that offensive mm-hmm. line looks really good. My question to you is, let's say – uh, top 15 offense DVI, somewhere between 10 and 15. I don't know if that's doable, but let's just say it is. How good is this Jets team? How many games do they win? Six. I mean, this defense is yes, a problem. It's, <laughs> it, it's like, oh boy, I, I look at some of them. Like, I, I was, I was thinking the other day, I talked with Robert Mays on the athletic football show. Like, is there a chance that Miami's fourth string cornerback would be the number one corner on the Jets right now? I looked at the depth chart earlier today and I was just astounded because I was going to be like, oh, the Jets, because I was drinking the Kool-Aid. Like Zach Zach Wilson was good during preseason. They have Robert Sala coming in, maybe could turn the defense around. I was like, oh, maybe the Jets are a wild card team. And then I looked at that depth chart on defense. I was like, no, like there's no way to make this work. There's no way to to turn this into a good defense. And if they do, then Robert Sala's defensive our uh, coach of the year, give him mm-hmm. an, every award, coordinator of the year, whatever award you have, just give it to him. It's what what is the, what is the 10% outcome for a good Jets defense? Uh, like say, the 90th percentile Jets defense. What does it look like? Where are I'd they in DVOA? Eight, 18th. Yeah. I mean, I, I think like, the absolute best case scenario would be a league average defense for the Jets. And if that happens, Robert Salas should win, um, should be uh, elected immediately to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Just put him in the Hall of Fame right yes. now. Put him in the Jets Ring of Fame. Yes, at Ring of Fame induction week 18, Robert Salas goes up. Uh, I'll, stick in the, I'll stick in New York. I'll go with the Giants. 10% chance the Giants win the most games of any of the three New York teams. So win more than the Bills. Ooh win more than the Jets? Course, uh, Giants. I don't think, like I know the bill, the bills were in your teams that are most likely to decline less, right? That's true. So where do you fall on that? Like, what is their floor, the bills? I would say 10 wins. Okay, Nine, see, nine wins. I don't know if they go as low as nine, but if yeah. they go, if they win 10, I think the Giants, do you think they have a ceiling where they can win 10 games, maybe 11 games? If Daniel Jones just, if he learns how not to fumble whenever he gets touched in the pocket and he stops throwing the Daniel Jones interception, one of my favorite moments of last uh, season, I think it might've been the opener. They played Pittsburgh on Monday night. Yep, they did. And Daniel Jones had this drive where he made a bunch, like three good plays and they were in the red zone and everyone's like, oh, Daniel Jones. Maybe this <laughs> then he immediately threw the dumbest pick ever. Yes. And I tweeted out, like, because I was thinking about tweeting about Daniel Jones. 
And I was like, no, I'm going to wait for this drive to end. <laughs> and then I think I tweeted like, this is why you wait till the end of the drive before you compliment Daniel Jones. Yes. People always 100%. like, I've learned that lesson being a defender of James Winston. <laughs> like a bad play is always around the corner. You can never get too excited. Yes, that is absolutely the case. Um, I, yeah, I mean, that could happen. I don't think it's going to, but it could. No. But this defense could be very good. Yeah, I mean, like, everything has to go right. Like, right. last year, you get to get last year's Leonard Williams, plus I mean, everyone in the secondary has to be healthy and play well. Like, Logan Ryan has to be good in his mid-30s. Um, like, Adore Jackson has to be healthy and effective. Like James just, Bradbury has to be as good as he was last year, which was yeah. kind of like an outlier season for him. Although I, I thought he was solid for the Panthers, and I thought it was a good signing at the time but mm-hmm. top five quarterback season like it's such a volatile position i just i just don't think you can bank on that happening again yeah i mean i think it's a big ask for them to get to 10 games outsiders has them at 26 percent for 9 to 11 wins and 7 percent for 12 plus wins um i i mean i don't know like i stranger things have happened but i i think it's about 10 percent yeah, I would agree with you there. So can you give me another AFC one? Yes. Uh, Rashad Bateman, and I know he's hurt right now. Yes. I'm going with the Ravens, by the way. Rashad Bateman is a pro bowler. And maybe he's not going to play enough to be a pro bowler, but he plays like a pro bowler during the time he does play. Interesting. I mean, do you think he can show enough in that offense to be a Pro Bowl wide receiver? No, I don't. I think the situation is going to make it tough. But let's like talent level wise, like he's that good of a receiver. He doesn't get the opportunities. But if he did, if he prorated his numbers over, the, you know, if he was in a regular offense and he had like 90 catches, 1100 yards, eight, nine touchdowns, what does this Ravens offense look like? What's its ceiling? And are the Ravens the best team in the AFC if the defense is as good as, as it has been? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it could be. By the way, I'm watching this Daniel Jones interception. You were correct. It was awful. Horrific. Um, they just ran they just ran like, like a boot. Are you grinding and, film during the podcast? I'm always I'm 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 you know how I control the dots. You know that I'm constantly sure. focused on the dots. Um, I had to watch it once you once you brought it up. I had to remember which one it was. Um, yeah, I mean, like Rashad Bateman is. I think a, a really talented receiver. And I think this offense adding talent at receiver seems to suggest that the Ravens are comfortable with the idea of throwing it more than they have in years past. Um, so to me, I, I don't think that's out of their own possibility. I, you know, I, I, I would find it tough to think given the injury, given the scheme that he is going to actually get probable consideration. But I think if you characterize it as plays at that level, Mm-hmm. for a chunk of the season, I think I could buy that at, at a 10% rate. So is the big worry with the Ravens, is it still Greg Roman? Like, is, is that the concern, or, or is there one that I'm not thinking about right now? Mm-hmm. Besides I mean, health. I don't know. Health. I, I think the fact that it's, is it T. Martin now running their passing attack? <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, and USC wasn't very good when he, well, he was. Yeah. Good. Like, you know, I, I, I it's not like they added, um, I'm trying to think, like, you know, a great downfield passing coach to replace uh, David Culley. Like, the passing game, I think, is still a question mark in terms of the complexity until we actually see it work out. Yeah, I would say that, too. I I did a pod the other day, and I picked Lamar Jackson 
to win MVP. And that was kind of like just an emotional pick for me. I like sure. Lamar. I want Lamar to succeed. I want to see him win MVP again. What do you think the chances of that happening are? Ooh, like 3%? So, oh. 2%? Yeah. 3%? Three percent. He, he has the same odds as Matt Stafford to win MVP. Or I think it's, no, Aaron Rodgers. That's who it is. Okay, Aaron Rodgers is not winning MVP again. I picked Lamar Jackson over Matt, or Aaron Rodgers, but... Yeah, I'd say I'd say like three percent would be my pick. Who's the worst? Not who's the worst quarterback you put ahead of him in terms of MVP odds? Mm, Stafford, Stafford, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, Stafford comes to mind. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country. There is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8 S A V E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8 Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. Um, Let me give you another NFC one here. Mm-hmm. One. Okay. Uh, you mentioned Matthew Stafford. I'll give you a Matthew Stafford one. Detroit. 10% chance Jared Goff produces more expected points added than Matthew Stafford this season. Or I guess more expected points. No, that is not 10%. Not 10%? Why not? One, Stafford is better. Okay, sure. I agree. Two, he has Sean McVay coaching him. Sure. Three, he does not play for the Lions. And okay. four... Matthew Stafford is not Jared Goff, which I think is number one, just said in a different way. Yeah, I mean, that, that seems to be one one kind of implies more. But yeah, I mean, I what if Matthew Stafford gets hurt, though? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. There is a 10% chance that he plays more games. Just, But no, wait, there's a possibility that Jared Goff averages negative expected points. That's loses not expected true. Points. <laughs> Not, I don't think there's a 10% chance Jared Goff produces negative expected points in the 2020 season. Um, okay, <laughs> it seems like you're not on board with one, so let's just. I, I think it's a funny offense, though. I just, what does that offense look like? Where I have the, no idea the 90 percentile Lions offense look like super heavy play action, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's how it works, or that's how it will work. If it does work, it will be Jared Goff just spamming play action. Down after down after down. But that that could work. Uh, yeah, and they are. I feel like that coaching staff would be into that type of offense. I agree. So, yeah. Or right. a, a ton of throws to DeAndre Swift where he's really good. Like, I, I don't know. You heard it here first. Uh, Goff is going to be better than Stafford in 2021. 10% of the time. All right, give me another AFC one. All right, I, I just want to get the Texans out of the way. Like, that was the last team I came up with the thing for. I, I racked my brain trying to come up with one, and I came up with an easy one. The Texans give us a reason to watch their games this year. Ooh. What would that will, be? Will you ever be interested in a Texans game this year? Do they play on Thursday night? Let me see if they play. Uh, they probably. have to. Doesn't they everyone have to play to. on Thursday night? Yeah. yeah. Week three, Panthers, Texans. Listen, Bill, you can you can take a Thursday night off. I can't. You don't have to watch every game. I can't. 
I can't take it off. I will be watching that game. Darnold, uh, Mills. I think Davis Mills will be starting by week three, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Darnold versus Mills, Panthers, Texans. Uh, I don't know. Like, what is the it, it, what is the 90th percentile Texans win total this year? Oh man, that's a good question. Uh, I'm I really think, mad because they. Yeah, I think five is probably fair. I'm really mad because they are. There were 2.2 wins under their Pythagorean expectation, and it's going to throw off the numbers because they don't have Deshaun Watson this year. Um, <laughs> we're, we're never going to use that again. Like, yeah. you're, you're going to have to get a new bit before this next season. <laughs> I only uh, have. This is my only bit, so I need to use this one. Um, similarly bad teams? Hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll go to a different one. I'll, I'll go in okay. a different direction. I don't think I have anyone really bad. Oh, the Eagles, maybe? Okay, I'll go with Eagles. Eagles, there is a 10% chance Jalen Hurts, Joe Flacco, and Gardner Minshew each start at least one game for the Eagles in 2021. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I could buy that. I do think, I, I don't know how you feel about Jalen Hurts. I do think he's gotten better the last two seasons. Like, he was better at Oklahoma than he was at Alabama, obviously. Mm-hmm. Playing in that offense, it's kind of hard to even compare the two to right. Jalen Hurts. And then last year, I thought he was better than I assumed he would be. Now, if he takes another step, then maybe he's better. Like maybe he's a borderline starter, long term starter in this league. But I, I really don't think he's the long term answer. I do think there's a chance he gets benched this year. Oh, for sure. And, and Gardner plays. And I, I'm not as high on Gardner as some people are. And I think they just look at his traditional stat line and think like, oh, look at this. This is a solid quarterback. But his mm-hmm. EPA numbers and the efficiency numbers are not very good. So I think right. if that happens, I do think Gardner Minshew will get benched if he does get elevated to the starting job. My question is, would Joe Flacco be the next option? And the only way that happens is if Jalen gets hurt, which mm-hmm. is on the table because I do think they're going to use him as a runner. Mm-hmm. I agree. That's what. That's my logic. That's enti- you laid it out perfectly. All right, we can move on. We can move on. AFC one. All right, Jamar Chase maintains his eighty percent drop rate. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But what <laughs> if he is a bust this year? What if he's La- Laquan Treadwell in terms of oh, production? That's that's the guy you went for, Laquan Treadwell in his first year. That's harsh. I thought of the I mean, worst rookie. Receiver year, I could think. Okay, Laquan Treadwell had to be clear one catch for three on three targets for fifteen yards in his rookie season. Okay, not him. Uh, uh, he also Henry he Ross. also has um, Megaquan listed as his nickname on Pro Football <laughs> Reference, and I think as a people we need to take that down. That was an Ole Miss thing. It had to yeah. be it. that did not that was not created after Ole Miss unless Treadwell created it himself. Um, I, I mean, like. Jamar Chase is coming off of a year without football. He has been inconsistent during training camp. I think it's fair to say um, he had, I think one year of crazy production at LSU, but like, he's also a top five pick and like universally seems to be regarded as like a uh, generational wide receiver prospect. Like I think the chances of him failing are higher than people give him credit for, but the chances of him like totally falling on his face in year one, I don't know if that's 10%. You think it's higher than 10% or lower? No, I think it's lower than 10% that he's like a total failure. Um, I, well, I, I'm not, I wasn't as high on him just because I think the brand of football he played 
might not translate immediately at the NFL level because he yep. was like a bully of a receiver and he was, he's only six feet tall. He's not that yeah. big. He doesn't have long arms. And it, I saw like some next gen stats tweet where apparently long arms correlate highly with contested catch rate. Mm-hmm. So I could see him having a hard time acclimating himself to the NFL where he's going to deal with more physical corners, bigger corners who can run with him. I don't think that four, three time he ran at LSU's pro day was, was legit. I'll say that mm-hmm. it doesn't show up on films is what I'll say. And he has had trouble even at LSU separate. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, it's totally fair. Yeah. I think it's, it could be a rocky year for him, but the reason why I, I said that one, what does this offense look like if Jamar chase isn't that top five prospect that we, that people expect him to be? I mean, I think it's what it was last year with, with Joe Burrow kind of running for his life and tossing up, some very highly lofted passes and T Higgins and Tyler Boyd get a bunch of volume. And the third receiver in this offense, Chase replacing AJ green is just a very low efficiency option. I mean, AJ green had a 45% catch rate last year and was getting a lot of like those contested throws. Yeah. I I wonder if that's enough for the Bengals to move on from Zach Taylor. It might not be. I think they're, they're, they'll just let them ride it out. Like uh, Marvin Lewis, like a less successful Marvin Lewis. I thought you were going to say Joe Burrow. And I was like, Oh no, I'm not taking a shot at Joe Burrow. I've taken enough shots and it's, it's gotten to a point. I just thought the arm jokes were funny. The arm strength mm-hmm. jokes. And now like people think that I just hate Joe Burrow. And I think he's this bum, but I, he was my, my QB one before that draft. He, I thought he mm-hmm. was the best player in the draft. I thought it was mm-hmm. a smart pick. I just, I wasn't on board with the the blue chip generational quarterback, the no brainer mm-hmm. pick at number one. I think his ceiling is probably, uh, I'd say Matt Ryanish, like that those first few spots of the top ten. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's ever going to be an elite quarterback. I think he'll have elite years, kind of like Matt Ryan did when he was when everything came together in twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. I think he's capable of that. Yeah, but I yeah I think he maxes out as like a top ten quarterback sure that's not that wouldn't be bad that would be fine i think they would take that but Bengals fans won't take that they hate me. that's not true <laughs> uh, they won't take that right now but they'll, they'll take it in the big picture i think um you mentioned aj green so or maybe i mentioned aj green but i'm going to mention him again cardinals 10 percent chance aj green is not total absolute dust as a receiver uh aj green i brought up those contested plays last year 13 targets last year for aj green with a expected completion percentage per the NFL's next-gen stats of below 20%. That's four more than anybody else in football across, I think, 105 total targets. Now, A.J. Green, you might argue those uh, expected, um, those sub-20 expected completion percentage because he was not getting open. But this is a guy who, I mean, before he missed all of 2019, had never dropped below seven and a half yards per target. He was at five yards per target last year. Like, I think... He he's not as good as he used to be, but like it's hard to imagine he's as bad as he looked by the numbers and most of the time on tape last year. My one concern is Cliff. Yeah, because I don't think he's doing his receivers any favors. He didn't do Hopkins any favors last year. Like he didn't move him from the left side. We know that. That's an area thing, though, right? Yeah, it's a it's a pace thing. That's why they keep the receivers to the same side because if you're running the hurry up, then receivers don't have to run across the field and change positions. So I think we're going to see a little bit of that. The only the reason why I'm optimistic is 
I think AJ Green has moved better in the preseason. I only watched one game, but he just looked faster than he did last year mm-hmm. for the Bengals, which makes sense. He was coming off a major injury and he's a year removed from that now. But I, I really don't have faith in Cliff getting the most out of these receivers. So even if AJ Green physically isn't dust, I think his stat line may make it look like he is dust and mm-hmm. done. That's totally fair. Uh, can you give me an AFC candidate here? Yes. Uh, Derrick Henry completely falls off the cliff. Oh, I think that's more than 10%. I think it's, yeah, I think it's more than 10%, but I'm saying completely like he's just not useful at all. Like the Todd Gurley. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have major concerns about that workload. That should anybody who's at what has he had like a thousand touches for the last two or three years? Like it's, it feels like it. I, yeah, I just he's so unique too. Like mm. it's not just that he's big. I think that's like the misconception is that he's just this big. Like he's actually he can move well mm-hmm. like in a straight line, and you have to think that's going to go sooner rather than later. And maybe this is the year it happens. And without Arthur Smith there and Todd Downing's taking over, I. He did not have a great go about it his first time as offense coordinator. And he was kind of like the antithesis of Arthur Smith. They didn't run a lot of play, actually. They ran very little of it when he was in Oakland. Mm -hmm. I just wonder how this offense looks, even with Julio Jones being added to A.J. Brown. I think Ryan Tannehill is a a good quarterback, probably a top 10 quarterback. I don't don't think he's as good as like the numbers say, but I think he's a competent quarterback. I just wonder Mm -hmm. what this offense looks like. And if the offense isn't as good as it's been, I have no faith in that defense. Yeah. Even with the additions. I know Titans fans think they're like way better, but I don't know. I don't see it. I think they'll be a little better, but it's like, you know, they had zero pass rush last year. So it would be hard to be worse, but they also turned over their entire secondary in the process of trying to fix the pass rush. And that's not necessarily like, I know the secondary wasn't good, but that's not necessarily a good thing, especially when you're banking on a rookie who didn't play last year and has had some concerning injury issues. Right. No, I mean, there's major questions. Even like even in a good scenario for the offense, the defense is still, it's hard to imagine that they're going to be a good defense. Do you think they are the clear favorites to win that division? No. Or do you think there's a chance? I mean, I, I said the Jaguars are going to win the division in March. See, I kind of like that pick. I'm, I'm a little concerned with what we've seen from Urban. Just and this He's is been, Urban stuff. Meyer's been great so far. What are you talking about? <laughs> no controversy whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, I, I, but I still kind of have faith in him as like a coach. And maybe it's one of these things where like for the first year, it really works. Mm-hmm. But then in the second year, maybe they get tired of Urban Meyer's shtick because he—it's going to be an adjustment period for him because he's mm-hmm. going from being the czar of this of the football team, like he's in control of everything. He could nothing he says is wrong mm-hmm. at Ohio State, at Florida, where he's been. It's different in the NFL, obviously, and I think maybe in year two is really when things like—that's when we start asking—is this going to work long term? But I do think first the first year will look better than people expect. Yeah, I mean, you know, Chip Kelly had a good first year and everyone was excited. And then year two, people were less excited. And then by year three, people were very tired of him and he was fired. But um, yeah, I mean, like, I I don't think that's out of the question whatsoever, um, that they are much better and 
compete for a division title. I think that the division is up for grabs is the way I would put it more so than I think the expectations heading into this year seem to suggest. Um, you mentioned Derrick Henry falling off a cliff. I'll, I'll go to Tampa. I'll go Tom Brady falling off a cliff. 10% chance Tom Brady is dust and gets benched for either Blaine Gabbard or Kyle Trask, a la uh, Peyton Manning getting benched for Brock Osweiler during the Broncos Super Bowl season. You know what's so weird? Like, I'm, I'm about to say this about, uh, is he 45? He's 44, I believe. I, I think it's I think it's lower than ten percent. Wow, I really do. And I, I think mean, it, that's fair. Yeah, like getting benched for Blaine Gabbard is, is that's the part where I'm like, no, that's not happening. But, he, I mean, but if I had told you before, after the 2014 season, when Peyton Manning threw 39 touchdowns against 15 picks, averaged 7.7 net yards per attempt, if I told you he was about to get benched for Brock Osweiler. You would think I was crazy. And if I told you that they were going to win a Super Bowl anyway, you would tell me I was even crazier. And that is exactly what happened. You didn't have to bring up them winning that Super Bowl, by the way. <laughs> you did not have to bring that up. But yeah, yeah, no, no. I see why you're, you're saying that. But I do think Peyton Manning was showing signs at the end of that 2014 season, if I recall correctly, like that Colts playoff game was kind of like, oh, is Peyton okay? Yeah, he was bad in the playoff game. But even good Peyton was bad in the playoff game sometimes too. That's, that's a good point. But Tom Brady has looked very good at preseason. Mm-hmm. Like the, the throws downfield. But it has to end sometime, doesn't it? It has to end sometime. I mean, it ended for Drew Brees last year. He was still, he wasn't, he wasn't as bad as Peyton was in his final year. I mean, he was still like pretty solid, but I mean, clearly that was not as effective as he'd been in years past. I will say this. I don't think Brady has to fall off a cliff for that offense to look bad just because of that that scheme and what it puts on its quarterback mm-hmm. and what it, it requires of its quarterback. Like Brady, yeah. there were times last year when Brady looked a little washed until they exploded in the second half. Yeah. So, I do, so yeah, maybe it is 10%. I don't know. We will certainly see. Uh, give me another AFC one. All right, I'll I'll stick with the Jaguars since we started talking about them. The Ravens-inspired scheme makes gives them a top sixteen DVOA defense. Hmm. I mean, they did add Shaq Griffin this year. I think he's a good fit for that defense. I, I did too. I, I think he's a good man coverage corner. He didn't get to play that, and I think that's the big reason why he left Seattle. Hmm. I mean, they have a bunch of first-round picks. They have talent there. Um, I don't know if all the first-round picks are good. Like, uh, Kilavon Chason was bad last year. It wasn't an impactful player last year. They were supposedly talking about trading C.J. Henderson this year. I don't know if that was actually ever going to happen, but it doesn't seem like they're super thrilled with C.J. Henderson after his first season. Like, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I think they're going to be better than people expect, so I'm inclined to think yes, but I am... I'm more confident in the offense than I am in the defense. So what do you think the, the offensive ceiling is? 12, 10, 10. I'll say I'll take 10th in DVOA. I, I think I could see that. Like, and what do you, what facet of the offense do you think is carrying that? You think it's the passing game or do you think this run game is better? No, I think the passing game. I, I think that you have, an effective quarterback as a rookie. He has a solid, not great, but I think solid offensive line, very good center. Um, you know, 
decent at tackle, not great, but decent, you know, certainly better than like we've seen from most other rookie quarterbacks. Um, and I think a pretty talented group of wide receivers. Like I'm optimistic about Visca in his second season. I think that Marvin Jones is a above average number three. Um, I don't know if they have a true number one at wide receiver, but I think that this could be a, a pretty solid passing attack. Yeah. I, I think people have like forgotten how good Trevor Lawrence is, which is kind of weird to say about a prospect that has been as hyped as he was. It's rare where a guy comes in like that and kind of gets overshadowed almost immediately. Like people want to talk about Zach Wilson. They want to talk about Mac Jones, Trey Lance, even and Justin Fields. But I still think Trevor is going to have the best rookie season of, of the QBs, despite the situation, which I, I think we both agree. I don't think it's as bad as people are kind of, we're making it out to be after what, two preseason games. Yeah. And we're also, yeah. yeah, And we're also judging those receivers based on eight games with Gardner Minshew and eight, eight games with the combination of Mike Glennon and Jake Luden. So like those receivers could look a lot better with an actual quarterback under center this year. Yes. Did you watch any of the Jake Luton games last year? Um, I, 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 I don't think I watched Jake Luton snap last year because he came in like he was in late in the year. He was in midseason. Yeah. Excuse me. They played the he, Packers. I think. Yeah, he had the Packers game where they were competitive and they were playing into the fourth quarter. Not because of Jake Luton, <laughs> in spite no. of Jake Luton. He, it, I don't want to get too mean, but I'm just going to say he was the worst quarterback I've seen play in the last three years. Worse than. Nathan Peterman. Okay, wait. Has Peterman played in the last three? I guess he. Has. The Peterman. The Peterman played in 2018. He started for the Bills that year. That was the. Are you counting 2018 as the last three years? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, he started for the Bills. He had that game. He was five of 18 against the Ravens, and then they put in Josh Allen in the second half. They. That was also the year where he played the Texans, where he came in for an injured Allen and threw two picks in the fourth quarter. And the pick six, pick six to give the Texans a victory. And then he, he had that game against the Bears, where it was all week. We knew he was going to play against like the best defense in football. And it was terrifying. And he was 31 of 49 for 188 yards with three picks. Oh, man. 49 attempts against that Bears defense. That, again, that's, the, the Bills should have been fine for that. <laughs> should have been fined. Not even by the league, by the government. By the government. <laughs> That should be illegal, says Stephen Ruiz. <laughs> Play Nathan Peterman against a top three defense. And make him um, throw 50 passes. Is there a 10% chance we see Nathan Peterman throw a pass this year? Yes. He did? He did throw five passes last year for the Raiders. How did that happen? Because what, what was Mariota doing? Uh, they lost 43-6 to the Falcons. And... Maybe Mariota wasn't active. I don't know. They just bypassed Mariota and said, no, Peterman, you got there. I really think that Gruden wants to make Peterman like look good for one game. Because if he does that, then everyone's going to be like, oh, my God, John Gruden is really a quarterback whisperer. But although I think that train has left the station, like yeah. that reputation he might have had back in the day, is it, it's never coming back. But he probably doesn't think that. I mean, the offense is fine. I don't think the offense is the problem. With the oh, oh, no. I think John Gruden's scheme is like one of the better ones in the league. I would put him top 10. It's just everything else is, is not great. Yeah, that's fair. Marcus Mariota for that Falcons game, he was not active. So it was Big Nate as the number two. Um, okay, so is it my turn? Yes. Okay, I'll go with... 
I'll go with uh, the, the Rams. I'll go with an uh, uh, offensive genius and Sean McVay. I give a 10% chance the offensive line utterly collapses and is unplayably bad. That's with Andrew Whitworth, who turns 40 years old this year at left tackle. Aaron Cromer, their coach is gone. The interior of the line. I mean, they've been fine, but they're trying to get by. Rob Havenstein was really bad in 2019. He was better last year, but he was still not the guy he was before 2019 last year. I mean, like I, I've, I've said this is the weak link of this team for a while. I don't think it is going to sink them, but I think there is a chance that it could just be total garbage and that could sink the Rams on offense this year. It certainly was the, the problem in 2019. Yes. The year after the Super Bowl, that was the problem. And I expected it to be bad last year. Like I, during the preseason, I was like, these the Rams are not going to be good. They did nothing to improve the offensive line. And then it was just good. I don't know why, how it got better, but it was just better last year. So I think, I think it might be higher than 10%. Yeah. That's not out of the question. I think losing Cromer hurt. Yes. Um, I think he had done a good job with some of the guys that developed there. Uh, do you want to give me another AFC one here as we wrap up a little bit? Yeah, I'm going to say Brandon Staley turns the Chargers into a, I don't know, top 10, top five. Which one do you think is closer to 10% chance? Mm, top seven, I would say. 10%. All right, we'll split the difference. Top seven defense in year one. He's the favorite for coach of the year. Yes. Do you agree with that? I think he's the Vegas favorite for coach of the year. Yeah, I think, yeah, I picked him. I did an awards thing and I picked him because I expect the Chargers to make the playoffs, which just, just don't do that. I don't know why. I do it every year. Everyone does it. Have fun. Have fun watching the team each week. (laughs) But I really like Brandon Staley and I, I've written about him extensively as like everybody has who writes about football. I see it's a fine line between, yes, he was the product of Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald being the two best defensive players in football, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and having them. But what I think everyone loved about Brandon Staley was the early down stuff, right? Like the, the light boxes on first down and second mm-hmm. down, not caring about the run, like caring about the pass. And on first and second down, like he wasn't really taking advantage of what Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey do best. He wasn't mm-hmm. like putting Jalen Ramsey on an island against the best receiver. He was playing like quarters. He was playing a deep quarter, which is not how you get the most out of Jalen Ramsey, I feel like. And he was playing uh, Aaron Donald as like a three, four defensive end, basically. That's not how you get the most out of Aaron Donald. So I don't think it's going to be that hard to replicate what they did on first and second down. The part that I think is going to be hard to replicate is what they did on third down when they played a lot of man and they had, they sent a lot of five man rushes after the offense Mm-hmm. And that's going to be harder, harder to do. That's why I think this is more of a 10% chance rather than, you know, a, a 50% chance. I do think the defense is going to be top half of the week though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that makes sense. Um, I will go with an NFC one here. You mentioned Brandon Staley. We just did the Rams. I will search around. I don't know anything close to Brandon Staley. So I have to go with a totally different topic. Um, here's my fun one let's go to the minneapolis minnesota vikings kirk cousins has a 10 percent chance that he is this year's carson wentz and he is traded at great cost to the vikings in terms of dead cap after the season yeah yeah i could see that because a team that reportedly wanted to trade up for justin fields because I feel like if the – I don't even think it has to go horribly wrong for that to happen, for the Vikings to want to move on and start over. 
I feel like a six and six and eleven season, you start over if you're the Vikings. I thought they should have done it two years ago or whenever they when did they restructure Kirksey? I think it was two off seasons. Off seasons. It was ago. 2020. It was March 16th, 2020. He got a two-year $66 million extension. And that was really like the moment where it was, do we start over now or do we just, you know, go for it again? Do we run it back with Kirk and maybe everything bounces back and we, we, we capture 2017. But if it happens again this year, I don't think you, you can hold on to that hope anymore and you have to rebuild. And I don't know if that is like a complete retooling of the front office, which I don't know if that would be the smartest move. I do think Spielman, although he does make some curious decisions sometimes, I do think he's a competent and even good GM. Mm-hmm. I do too. But I, I think Mike Zimmer taps out. I think he's just like, I don't want to do this anymore. If yeah. they are with that. I want I want to run the football and my quarterback has a $45 million cap hit in 2022. <laughs> There's no fixing that offensive line with that cap hit. No. And I mean that's the annual task facing it. It's it's the Sisyphean task facing the Minnesota Vikings organization every year is we have to fix the offensive line after each and every season somehow. <laughs> It's never going to happen. It's no like matter- Detroit trying to find a running back or a running game. Yes. No matter what happens, it is never fixed. Uh, can you give me another AFC one here? Yes. Which one should I go with? Okay. I'm going with, and it's going to sound like it's a less than 10% chance happening, but okay. according to football outsiders, there's a 13% chance. Oh, happening. the Browns end up with a top five pick. Ooh, I, I dared suggest that the Browns would regress from their 2020 performance. And I was lambasted on Twitter. I believe uh, it. So I will, I will recuse myself from this conversation. Do you think that is, do, do you buy that it is a 13% chance of happening if they are under five wins or five, five wins or below? I really don't. I don't, but I do think there's a very good chance of them disappointing and not making the playoffs and and not even just like failing to make the playoffs. Cause I could have, they can go nine and eight or 10 and seven and still miss it. But I think there's a chance that they are 2019 disappointing. Is that there's a lot of hype. Right. And like, this is not that much different from the team that went seven, eight and one in 2018. That was a uh, 7.5 estimated win team by point differential. Um, 7.1 7.1 Pythagorean wins. 2020 team 7.7 for both estimated mm-hmm. wins and Pythagorean wins. But instead of going seven, eight, and one, they went eleven and five. Um I I I like what they did this offseason in terms of the talent they had. I think they hit their holes well, but like the idea that you can just take pieces from the Rams defense and plug them in and they're gonna be like the same players that are at the Rams, you can ask the Raiders about that. Like that is like, like it could work great, but that is not a guarantee of suddenly fixing your problems. And we know how healthy the offensive line was last year and how good Baker looked when the line was protecting him. And you saw in 2019 how bad Baker can look when he does not trust his offensive line. Yeah, I think that's one of the concerns. And I think people are kind of like giving the Browns a pass because of those weird, like windy games they played in the middle of the year, which kind of like threw things off. But I don't know. Like, I know they blew some teams out, but even at their best, I still thought, I never thought this was a team that could beat the Chiefs or the Bills or even the Ravens, even though I know they played that close game. It just seems like they're cut below. And how often does a team have an offseason where everyone says, oh, I liked what they did. They had a great offseason. How how often does that actually, you know, come true when the games are played? 
I, I just I think it's hard to fill holes during an offseason because teams are trying to fix what went wrong last year, but not necessarily anticipating what's going to go wrong this year. Now, I do think the Browns front office is one that might do that, but it's still hard to to do that in an offseason, in one offseason. Yeah, I agree. Um, we'll see, certainly. I'm sure I will hear about it if the Browns do, in fact, exceed my expectations. Um, hmm. I'll go in a different direction. I'm going to go Washington football team here. I think there, I think there is a 10% chance of this happening. Football Outsiders has it at 11%. I think the Washington football team has a 10% chance of winning 12 or more games this upcoming season. Oh, that's definitely going to happen. Definitely going to happen. And here's why. Why? I'm putting my Stan hat on right now because oh. Cam Newton's going to end up there and he's going to, no, I, no, uh, I don't think Cam's going to end up there, but I think if Cam was there based on what he looked like during this preseason, there was a, there's a chance of that happening, but I, I just can't buy into the, I know Fitzpatrick has, has improved and he's become like one of the more efficient quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the league, like top half of the league, not, not top five, obviously, but I just don't have faith in Jack Del Rio. <laughs> and I know that defense was good. And it's like so good that it's it probably is too good to fail. It was third in DVOA. But I feel like it has to be first in DVOA in order for them to win 12 games. And I, while I think they have the talent to do it, I don't trust Jack Del Rio in 2021 to, to get the most out of that talent. I mean, I don't blame you, but. They were good last year and they were really bad at quarterback. They had the worst, worst passing DVOA in football. So to me, I think your argument is just, Hey, the defense takes a little step backwards, but the offense takes a big leap forward with a possibly good quarterback, let alone, I think if they had a competent quarterback, they would expect to be a nine, a nine, one football team. But I mean, if, do you, if know, the, do you know what this is? This is what? me not wanting to live through a season when Ryan Fitzpatrick is like the talk of the league. Cause we are, we went through that when he played for the bucks and he like had those, those great games. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just can't deal with that. Like we've had, we've like, I like Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think he's like an interesting character. I think he's an entertaining quarterback, but like there's been enough Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> You're like, not ready. It's run its course. You're not ready for Ryan Fitzpatrick MVP. No, because if they win 12 games, you better believe someone is going to bring that up, is going to make that argument. And I can't, I'm, I'm going to just log off forever if that happens. It's going to be one of those, like, uh, you know, those tweets where it's like, he's got more passing yards than Russell Wilson, less mm-hmm. interceptions than Matt Ryan. We're going to get one of those garbage <laughs> mm-hmm. fashion this year. And the caption's going to be, why is no one talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick for MVP? You heard it here first. Stephen Ruiz promises to log off. If someone writes a column saying Ryan Fitzpatrick is 2021 NFL MVP, Stephen, can you give me another AFC option? Yeah, I'll stick with that that theme. What if this is Teddy Bridgewater's year? And what I mean by that is I feel like if you play long enough and you're a competent enough quarterback, mm-hmm. you're going to have that year, that breakout year that, you know, like Case Keenum had it with the Vikings. You could argue that Carson Wentz's year was 2017. Uh, they're probably better example. Blake Bortles had it that one year when he threw a bunch of touchdowns, although I don't think he was that good. What if Teddy has a year where he's like a fringe pro bowler? Maybe he makes the pro bowl because 
you know, quarterback, some bad quarterbacks that made the Pro Bowl. What if he has that year? What I think the Broncos have enough talent around him for, for him to have that. Mm-hmm. One, how good are the Broncos? Two, what do the Broncos do about it? Do they sign him? Do they fall for it and give him the deal? Do they fall for it? You don't believe that Teddy Bridgewater could genuinely have a really good season and keep it up the following year? No. no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Look, I love Teddy. I'm in Teddy's corner. I want that to happen. I want to be wrong. But there's clearly a ceiling on what Teddy Bridgewater can be. Sure. That's fair. Um, do I think they would fall for it? Yes, I think they would fall for it. I think we, from what we know about teams, Outside of Case Keenum's season with the Vikings, I don't think they typically move on. And, and the Vikings had the opportunity to go out and sign Kirk Cousins. Um, I think if they hadn't signed Kirk Cousins, they probably would have signed Case Keenum. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think that the, the Broncos would do? I think they'd be a 12-win team. Like, I think the defense should be better. I think they're going to turn around their turnover ratio. I think they have a ton of talent on defense. And um, quarterback is their clear weakness. I mean, quarterback and I think right tackle are their weak spots right now on offense. So. What, what was your take on the Lock-Bridgewater debate? Um, in terms of the actual play or in terms of the theory behind what they, like, what should have happened? Or what the yeah, what should have happened? I think they probably should start Teddy. I mean, I think their best path to being a competitive team is fixing their turnover ratio. And I think Teddy is more likely to deliver a above average season in terms of avoiding takeaways than Drew Locke. I think that the best thing for the Broncos Heading into the season, if they could have chosen for one of these two guys to be good, pretty clearly was for Drew Locke to be good, given that he's signed for longer, he's younger, he has more upside. Um, but I also think that, to be honest with you, even though they picked Teddy, I, I sort of think that there's a decent chance we see them both during the 2021 season. I, I would be surprised if they both started at least five games. Like, how dare you? You questioned uh, me for saying that Teddy Bridgewater couldn't put together too good. You're saying he's going to get benched at some point. Yeah, I didn't say they were smart. <laughs> I just said that they're going to do it. Um, so I, I think stuff like that, where like I yeah. think um, they might go back and forth. And I think in the long run, you're hoping that you're winning games without having to have your quarterback be great. But if Teddy's great, all the better. I agree with that. Um, let's go to a similarly unlikely possibility 10% chance in San Francisco that Jimmy Garoppolo starts 16 or more games this upcoming season that the chiefs or the Niners actually do the Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes philosophy and Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy enough to pull it off. Um, See, I I do think that's a 10% thing. But my heart is telling me that there's no chance it happens. And I think everyone is rooting for, for Trey Lance to play at some point, right? Like, because it's more fun. Not necessarily because he's going to be a better quarterback in year one. But we, I want to see what Kyle Shanahan will do with that type of talent. We already saw a sneak peek in the, in the preseason. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think he's going to be able to resist the temptation if Trey Lance – gets anywhere close to up to speed and able to start an NFL game. And I'm not so sure he's at that point right now, but I think it's possible by November, December, he will be. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. I don't think it happens. I did leave one game. I said 16 plus. So Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have to start one game. Trey Lance could start one game this season and follow the Mahomes path. But I don't want this to happen. I want to see Trey Lance, but we'll see. Uh, we have a couple more left. Can you give me an AFC one here? 
Yeah, we get 20, I don't want to say 2017. We get somewhere between 2017 and 2018 Carson Wentz. Ooh. I think there's a big difference between those two versions of Carson Wentz, no? I thought 2018 he was he was like a fringe top 10 quarterback, statistically at least. Right, but 2017 was the MVP or close to that. Oh, I see what you're saying. No, I'm okay. I'm just gonna say 2018. Okay. Uh you think only 10% chance. That's why I, I wanted to go in the middle. Okay, let's say he puts together a top eight to top ten season. Okay, I think that's fair. Do you I mean he's coming off of a fractured foot, a season where he was totally broken. And he is publicly making it clear he has no intention to get vaccinated. <laughs> it might be it might be lower than ten percent now that you put it that way. What what would what would it be if he hadn't broken his foot and was vaccinated? Ah, uh, I'd say like twenty five percent. Okay, I don't I mean, think I, it's like twenty nineteen. He was kind of good, right? Like there was still the the Dak uh, Wentz debate going on. I had to write a whole piece on it. Uh, bless your heart. Who's, who's starting left tackle for the Colts in week one? I don't even know. Is it going to be Eric Fisher? I hope not. He's on the COVID list. And I don't think yeah. he's ready. I think that's the one thing. Like you think about the Colts and you think, oh, strong offensive line. But I don't know if the offensive line is going to be strong this year. I don't think that's a given and I don't know if the offensive line was as good as we expected it to be last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had a wizard in terms of getting people in the right places. Exactly. And they, they don't have that anymore. No, they do not. I mean, they could call Philip. I guess they probably still have his number. So uh, I guess my question is, because you said that you think the Jags might win that division. And I'm yes. assuming, do you, what, what are the chances the Colts compete for it? And win it. Uh, I don't know, like twenty percent chance of winning the division, twenty five percent chance of winning the division, probably. See, I think I would put them right in line with the Jaguars, which is probably really? the same percentage, right? Or maybe not, because I okay, the Texans are not going to win it, and I know you shouldn't say that about any NFL team because it's the NFL and anything could happen. But I don't think the tech the Texans are going to win it. They're probably yeah. like one percent chance. Sure. I I really think it's like. 40 Titans and then 30, 30 Jags Colts. I don't think there's much separating the the Titans from those two other teams. I know why people are excited about the Titans because of the Julio Jones thing, but I just really think that team's going to take a step back with everything that's happened. Like the numbers don't look good. And then they lost their offensive coordinator. They lost Dean Peaks two years ago and the defense kind of took a step back. It might take another step back this year. Mm -hmm. It's possible. I think the Colts might have a chance of winning that division. He, if if Carson Wentz is a ten to fifteen, nah, I, like even if he's like a, a slightly below average quarterback, as long as he's not the worst quarterback in the league. Yes, I, I agree. Um, if I go NFC here, another okay. Let, let's do another unlikely division winner. Six point five percent. Per ESPN's football power index, I'll go a little higher than FPI on this one. The Falcons win the NFC South. See, I've been I've been low key on the Falcons. Yeah, hype train this offseason. I, I haven't said it in public because it's kind of it's embarrassing. Know, you could look, yeah, if you are like the Falcons, like really. I mean, I I wrote that they were the most likely team in the league to improve, and then I had to immediately cut it by making a Falcons joke on Twitter. 
about Madden. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, that was a good tweet, by the Thank way. Thank you. Very good. I liked it. I had to though. You, you can't. You can't be strictly on the Falcon side. It's gonna look bad. No, you gotta. You gotta uh, diversify your por- portfolio mm-hmm. when it comes to like hyping teams up. But yeah, I, I I like this team. I would like it a lot more if Julio Jones was still around. But I, the numbers suggest that they were better than the record implies last year they by a, like by a historically large margin. It's true. If I recall correctly. It's true. And I am a big fan of Dean Pease. And I think Dean Pease is a guy that can, he can make lemonade out of lemons. I, why is that a saying, by the way? Are lemons like bad? I, why, I don't, what's up with the bad, I, the bad I, it, for lemons? Is that the saying? I don't know. Maybe I just don't know sayings. <laughs> yeah, I don't, maybe I don't know sayings. Like make uh, lemonade out of lemon. When life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade is a proverbial phrase used to encourage optimism and a positive can-do attitude in the face of adversity or misfortune. So apparently having lemons <laughs> is adversity or misfortune. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, but I think he can do that. I think he can make this a, like, what does the defense have to be? I think it has to be like a, a top 20 defense. And then Arthur Smith does for Matt Ryan what he did for Ryan Tannehill, which I think Matt Ryan is probably a better quarterback mm-hmm. than Ryan Tannehill. Do you, uh, and then Kyle Pitts has a great year, which is you know dubious because rookie tight ends don't have great years. The Falcons were 14th in defensive DVOA last year. Right. And I bring this point up whenever I can. Like the defense has been a lot better, has been better than the offense the last two years by DVOA. Yes. Yes. The last two years have been fine. And I think that's a dirt cutter stat. And I think the the leap from dirt cutter to Arthur Smith, assuming Arthur Smith, because like maybe Arthur Smith isn't as good as we thought he was. Mm-hmm. But if he is, like, that's a big jump for me. And I think the offense is going to be a lot better. It's a defense is like sub, like just below league average. Like mm-hmm. this is a, a 10 win team, I think. Yeah. They don't, they have seven home games, which worries me. Yes. But besides that, I think they have plenty of reasons to be optimistic. We have two left on each side. Steven, give me your next to last AFC one. Uh, losing Bud Dupree ends up being an issue for the Steelers. Mm, interesting. So they signed uh, Melvin Ingram. Mm-hmm. Are you pessimistic about Melvin Ingram's chances of making an impact? Yes, because he has a problem staying healthy. Yes. And two, he's, uh, we don't know what he looks like anymore like what do we judge these are scouting reports from like 2017 2018 like mm. I, I don't think we can know what he's going to be i think it's only 10 percent chance which might surprise some people just based on the, the money to pre-signed for because i think that steelers defense works even if they don't have a second edge rusher that you have to worry about i i, I agree i mean i hmm. Obviously, you're now you're more dependent on TJ Watt being healthy, and like he should be healthy and great, but things happen. And mm-hmm. if he pulls a hamstring after you know having a pretty quiet preseason or, or pretty pr- pretty quiet training camp while he's waiting for his deal, suddenly now that's a big problem. And that wasn't a big problem uh, last year when Bud Dupree tore his ACL or two years ago. Was it Bud Dupree tore his ACL last year? Yeah, it was, I think it was the the Washington game. Yeah, last year towards ACL. Like, you know, they're, they're just you're now down to one superstar and one guy you're hoping is a solid player. 
Yeah, and my, my question really is like, what is what is the Steelers' ceiling if it does become an issue and this defense maybe isn't like a top five unit anymore? Maybe it's like the, the you know ten top fringe top ten defense. What are our expectations for Ben Roethlisberger? <laughs> Do you think you can repurpose the Joe Burrow uh, arm stuff for Ben? Oh yeah, like no, that's insulting to I don't know who should be more insulted actually <laughs> i i did a thing like i i was on a pod with kevin clark and he uh, i forget what i said he said why aren't you optimistic about ben roethlisberger and i said because he can't throw the ball more than 20 yards downfield and kevin's response was 20 yards i didn't know you were so high on it <laughs> and he's right like 20 yards is even too high it's fair like, i feel I feel like he has to warm his arm up if he's going to throw one of those like jet touch passes now i'm imagining the ben roethlisberger madden passing cone for 2021 is just like three yards past the line of scrimmage (laughs) look it's wide as hell but it's like yes he can only he can only hit the underneath guy in mesh he can't even hit the the, 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 yeah he can't not even the sit route he can't even hit the guy who's crossing the deeper crossing route yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah, the underneath mesh guy. Yeah, I guess to the closest guy in mesh. Um, okay, I'll go with the quarterback here. Last quarterback one for me, Green Bay. Jordan Love, 10% chance, finishes with more passing yards than Aaron Rodgers this season. Oh, man. What? what uh, uh, yeah. I, mean, I think it's easy to forget that. Like Aaron Rodgers, there was like a time when he had a lot of trouble staying healthy his collarbone kept breaking. Right. Like, the, and, and what we saw with Tony Romo is like, that's the thing that very easily breaks again. Yeah. Did he get like some crazy surgery? Am I imagining that? He may have like, maybe he, he get, went to like Europe, like maybe he has like a titanium collarbone now. Like, yeah. he has like Wolverine bones now. Yeah. That's what I'm concerned about. Um, But I mean, like, I think there's always a chance. This is a guy who was 37 years old, turning 38 during the season, obviously phenomenal last year. I don't think he's about to get benched, but, there is a chance that he gets hurt. And I don't know if it's 10%. I think 10% is probably fair, but if he misses a big mm-hmm. chunk of the season, well, hey, Jordan Love is going to get the chance to play and could be good. We don't know. I don't know. Maybe 10% is too low. Like him missing. Well, I guess it would be him missing enough time for Love yeah. to surpass him and pass the time. Like, I don't think the chance of getting hurt and missing a chunk of time is 10%, but I think if it comes to week 13, he's not going to catch up. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I think that's definitely on the table. And I wonder, I wonder how good the Packers are if that happens. I still think they – no, I don't know. I think they missed the playoffs. If he misses five games? I don't know. I mean, how, how good do you think Jordan Love is going to be? He will look like – I think he'll be serviceable, but we will know that it's not because of him. It's yes. because of the scheme. But that's fine. You could still like that's fine. Kirk Cousins has an entire career based off that. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. That's a little, a little bit of anxiety. Yeah, that's a little harsh on Kirk. Yeah, but I'm so, I, I, Kirk can take it. Like I feel like Kirk is that. There are people on Twitter that will defend Kirk to the death, and I'm just like, how is that fun? He's fine. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. He he is fine. But yeah, I mean, I think they would. It would be a struggle. I think they could pull it off depending on what happens elsewhere in the division. There's a chance that, that division is just total garbage and the Packers only need to go nine and eight to win that division. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. What's your last one? 
I actually have two left over. I don't know how that how happened. You you messed two? up somewhere. But yeah, I, I had the Raiders one is boring to me. So I don't okay. even, we don't even need to ask it. Oh, it's come just, on. All right. Uh Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards live up to the preseason hype. Okay. That's fine. Uh we can move on. Yeah, like it's like, I couldn't come up with anything. It was just like I don't want to, I didn't want to ask a Derek Carr question. And eh, it's whatever. All right. My other one is Miami. Tua makes the leap, the second year leap, the, the infamous second year leap, which only happened really like twice. It happened yeah. like with Mahomes and uh, Lamar. And then everyone just thought it was destined to happen every oh, year. And, and Wentz too. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. But that, that was three in a row. I mean, that, that's why people think it. Do you, what would that look like? What, what, what would the leap be for Tua? Is that he's an MVP candidate? No, I'm thinking like what I said Joe Burrow's ceiling was, like I think he reaches that this year. Like he's mm-hmm. a top 10-ish quarterback in terms of production. I would say that's 20% for me. Ooh. But the line the line is the problem, I think. Yes. Especially with him. Yes, the line is so bad or or concerning. Maybe it'll be good, maybe it'll be good in reality, but on paper it looks awful. Tua is really good in preseason. Yes. Really good. In ways that he wasn't good last year, and in ways that he was good his last year at Alabama. Like he, that was the Tua that people thought was a top five pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think to me, I I wouldn't totally throw out what happened last year, but I, I would throw it out as much as I would for the vast majority of rookie seasons for a variety of reasons. I'm more optimistic about most quarterbacks than I would be after a quarterback had that sort of rookie season where he was clearly not as good as Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I'm pretty optimistic, but who we'll wins see. The, who wins the, the division if that happens? I would imagine it's dolphins and bills in like the 12 in range competing. Mm-hmm. Cause to me, I think the defense will be good, but I don't know that they get a full season out of Xavier Howard. And if that happens, I think the defense is not as good as it was a year ago. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think they, more than maybe any team, need a cornerback like that to be on the field for that system to work. I agree. Um, Finishing up, last one here for me. Saints, not an exciting one. I guess you probably figured it'd be Taysom Hill related. It's not. Alvin Kamara becomes the fourth player in league history to post a thousand thousand season after Christian McCaffrey, Marshall Falk, and Roger Craig. Uh, I don't see this is with Jameis starting. I don't think that's going to happen. Jameis is starting, but yeah. Yeah. If he starts the whole year. Have you seen Jameis's receivers? Have you seen Jameis play football? I don't think he knows that <laughs> check downs exist. <laughs> He throws more passes to linebackers than. than uh, <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. But I mean, I think there's major, major problems at wide receiver. I wouldn't be surprised if they split out Elvin Kamara more frequently this year than they have in years past because they need athletes at receiver. Yeah, that's a good point. I do think this is going to be a Kamara centric offense. That's what it was when Drew Brees went out in 2019. It did. It really wasn't the case when Taysom played last year, but I think that's just because you have to you have to employ a weird offense if you're playing Taysom Hill at quarterback. And I'm putting quarterback in air quotes. You can't see it obviously because it's a podcast. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, I think you're on. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. Maybe it's not ten percent. Maybe it's a little bit higher. You get the extra game, but I mean, too. to be fair, oh, Darian Gumbawale caught thirty-five passes from Jameis Winston in twenty nineteen. See, maybe I'm just like this is my perception of Jameis Winston. It doesn't really like match what actually I happened. I don't know. We will see. Um, we will certainly see. He'd be the fourth guy in history to do it. Um, but Marquez Callaway, Marquez Callaway might just be the best receiver in football history. So he may just have all the, the targets because he's such a right. Um, All right. So we did it. 32 teams in an hour, almost an hour and a half, hour, 20 minutes. We got there. Um, Steven Ruiz, you have now done the podcast as a USA Today employee. You've now done it as a Ringer employee. I hope that we have you back on before you go to another job, but same, but where can people check out the work you do for the meantime? You can find me on the ringer.com. Sure. And you can find me on Twitter at the Steven Ruiz. That's Steven with a V. I always feel like I have to defend the fact that I have V in my name. Like I, I made it when I was in college. I'm not proud of it. I don't want to be like compared to Ohio. I don't want to do the Ohio State thing. Sure. But Stephen Ruiz was taken. Is it still so taken? I it. Yeah, I looked into it. Like it's a guy that lives in Puerto Rico and he hasn't tweeted since like 2011. Oh, something. wow. Yeah, he hasn't tweeted in a while. Yeah. Do you think, how, how famous do you think you'd have to get before you actually would track him down and pay for the Stephen Ruiz Twitter account? Um, I, I don't think I would ever get to that level of fame and still be on Twitter. I would log off because then I, that, if I'm famous, I feel like I would have money and I wouldn't have to, you know, think about tweeting. Only no, I'm, poor, I'm probably addicted to it at this point. Aren't we only all? again, you also heard it for only poor people are tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> Says the ringers, Stephen Ruiz. Look, if you want to get me off Twitter, and I know there are people that probably do, mm-hmm. just give me a bunch of money. Give, pay Stephen Ruiz a lot of money, and he will log off. That is the Stephen Ruiz promise. And I hope it doesn't happen because you're one of the best followers on Twitter. But Stephen, thanks so much for hopping on the show. Anytime. I, I, I'm looking forward to the third time. Do I get like a jacket? <laughs> You don't get a jacket because I'm on Twitter, which means that I'm a poor person. Ah, that's true. That's true. I'll buy you a jacket. Yes. All right. Thanks so much to my guest today, Stephen Ruiz of The Ringer. Great work from Stephen. Check him out on Twitter as well. It's here. The NFL season is here, guys. Super excited to have actual football to talk about. And next week, we'll be back recapping week one. So I hope you guys enjoy the football this weekend and more audio on the way.